chapter 2, Titus chapter 2 this evening. Very encouraging passage of scripture I'm going to read to us this evening and encourage us to live for God in Titus chapter 2. And as we do with every service, I'd like to ask you to take a moment to look around you. If there's a member who doesn't have, or someone here tonight doesn't have a Bible, and specifically King James Version of the Bible, I want you to take a moment tonight to share that with them. And we're going to cover a lot of ground this evening. Titus chapter 2. When you get there, go to verse 11. We'll start reading from there. Actually, verse 12, excuse me. Verse 12. No, it is verse 11. Excuse me. I also get 2 Timothy. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. Are we there? Amen? All right. You ready for preaching? Amen. Ready for church? Amen. Amen. For the grace of God, aren't you glad for his grace? Amen. Amen. The grace of God that brings us salvation has appeared to, underline these next two words, all men. Say that with me tonight. For the grace of God that brings us salvation has appeared to all men. Teaching us. Grace is not a license to sin. Grace is our teacher, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. How many looking forward to Jesus coming? Amen? Amen. Notice verse 14. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. In Titus 2.14 we have a description as to why God saved us, who redeemed us from all iniquity, who gave himself as he might redeem us from all iniquity, and purified himself a peculiar, a special people. Now, if you've got insecurities tonight, I want to help you with this. You are special in the sight of God. Amen. You're saved, you are special. You are forgiven. You are a son of God. You, are, you have a gift of eternal life. But he didn't say, save us to sit and to soak, and if we're not careful, to sour. He saved us, if you notice in verse 14, to be zealous of good works. And then he knew that Titus would be a little bit reluctant and hesitant of emphasizing, emphasizing to the people to be zealous of good works. So he's told Pastor Titus, these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. And so tonight I want to preach a message this evening that I preached in Taiwan. God put that on my heart, did not prepare that message. God put it on my heart at 1 o'clock in the morning on Tuesday night when we arrived. I'll preach a message tonight entitled, Zealous of Good Works. I want you to just sit tight this evening and just to let the Lord at the, on the cusp of having just finished a, 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 just a, a God-glorifying business meeting to ask the Lord to help us as we begin this new year to be a people zealous of good works. Now, Father, tonight we've sung some congregational hymns that have encouraged us 
and uh, reminded us we need to be soul winners. We're redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, and uh, Jesus is coming soon. And tonight, with all that being said, I, I pray that you'd give us enlightenment and wisdom from the scriptures here tonight. Some are very tired and weary physically. Some are drained spiritually. I understand that. But tonight, we pray that you'd replenish our strength. Breathe on us, O breath of God. Cleanse us from all filthiness of the flesh and superfluity of naughtiness, and that with meekness we may receive the engrafted word which is able to save souls. Tonight I pray that you come down upon us as you did with the Shekinah glory that came down upon the temple on the day it was dedicated, and the recurring times when sacrifices and burnt offerings were being made. The glory of God came down. Lord, speak to us tonight. Father, I pray that you would anoint me with power from on high, a fullness of God. Help me to be the pastor your people need. Feed the flock of God which is among us right now. Help me this evening as we preach to take the oversight thereof, not by constraint, definitely not for filthy lucre, but of a willing mind. I pray this evening that, Lord, you'd energize and charge us and stir us. And I pray you'd keep someone from falling into sin or staying in sin. I pray you keep us from falling out of the church and get back into the church. I pray that you help us to make some, some very viable decisions that will help promote the cause of Christ. Lord, stir up a fire inside of us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The book of Titus is a very small book. The emphasis in Titus is found in Titus 1.5. Titus was one of the preacher boys of the Apostle Paul. In fact, he's a great character study if you've never studied Titus. And Titus had accompanied Paul to Crete one time. Paul is not there in Crete. Paul is actually in his first imprisonment. And Paul's keeping tabs with Titus. The works that were established here on the island of Crete. Crete was not in a good position. Things were falling apart. Churches were in need of leadership. The believers were stagnating. The Bible says, smite the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. They were in need of shepherding. They were in need of leadership. Titus felt like Timothy. who felt way over his head when he was given this commission by the apostle Paul. Titus, in his own heart, wanted to leave. He wanted to find a, a better pasture, a different field, a different place to go to. And Paul admonished him in chapter 1, verse 5. You'll turn there, look at it with me. He said, Titus, for this cause I left thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I appointed thee. And the part I want you to notice is that first part. He says, I need you to set in order things that are wanting. Things are out of order. Things are out of place. When he says set in order, he's using the idea that's mentioned in Galatians 6.1 about a broken bone. And when a bone is broken, you've got to set it back in place in order. You've got to straighten it out there. And he says things are out of order there. There are a number of things that are not right. And so he's walking through things about, about uh qualifications for ministry and things and he gets to chapter 2 and he gets into general Christian living things and quite honestly the Apostle Paul is very strong in verses 11 to 15 about what we need to be doing as a people of God and as we saw in our reading this, this evening in verse 14 he says you know God has saved us God has Jesus gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and by the way aren't you glad that salvation is not a progressive event salvation is immediate the moment you trust Jesus Christ as Savior who gave himself for us. Jesus held nothing back. He gave it all. 
that he might redeem us, that he might buy us out of all iniquity. And notice this, to purify himself a peculiar people. When we got saved, we got washed under the blood of Jesus Christ. Being under that blood of Christ, it is purified, it is washed. When God sees us, he sees the blood. Aren't you glad about that tonight, amen? But he goes on by saying that we must be a people zealous of good works. Now the word zeal and the word zealous are very important words in the Bible. The Bible speaks about a man by the name of Phineas that he was zealous for the Lord. The Bible speaks about a man by the name of Jehu or Yehu. He said to another man, come and see my zeal for the Lord. Uh, he said, uh, the apostle Paul said in the book of Galatians chapter 4, it is good always to be zealous in a good thing. Zeal is a good thing. Zealous is a good thing. Zeal is in the Bible. If you're anything less than zealous, you're cold. You're cold. Jesus said, I whether you're either hot or cold. He says, don't be lukewarm. If you're in the middle about everything, you're lukewarm. That kind of Christian makes the Lord sick to his stomach because he says, I will spew thee out of my mouth. And so as we consider the word zeal, I want you to write down some things tonight. Zeal means to be burning hot. Zeal has the idea to be at a temperature that it affects everything around it. Zeal means that you're at a temperature, you affect everyone around you. Zeal is the idea of water that is boiling over. Zeal has the idea that the temperature is so hot that when, 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 when metal is placed in that, into, that, into that container, it, it turns the color of it into burning hot red. Zeal affects everything around it. It's boiling over. It's red hot. All intense fire incinerates and melts anything that comes into its path. He's telling Titus, listen, Jesus died for us. He, he redeemed us. He purified himself, a peculiar people, zealous of good work. He's saying all of God's people are to be zealous of good work. He's saying that everyone should be burning hot and red hot and zealous of good works. Listen, I'm telling you today, anything you do for Jesus is a good work. We are today in a place where God's people want to do less and not do more. Zealous of doing good works is doing more. Doing, being zealous of good works is not coming up with this concoction that came out of the new evangelical movement. We need more balance in our life. We're spending too much time at church. and not, Listen, you can never spend too much time with Jesus Christ. If I told my wife, I'm spending too much time with you, she would probably shoot me with my own guns. Amen? Plural. What kind of husband would you be to say to your wife, I need to balance my time. I'm spending too much time with you. If anything, we need to spend more time with our wives. Wife never has a problem. Most wives I know, at least in the church, they don't have, time, they don't have a problem spending more time with their husband. I think a lot of his husbands have a problem spending more time with their wives. And gentlemen, you didn't, your wife didn't marry you with the idea that you're going to marry her and then launch off somewhere and do your own thing. She married the intent till death to his part. 
And I'm going to tell you tonight, Heritage Baptist Church, when Jesus Christ saved you and he saved me, he didn't save you and me to do just get saved and our sins washed away and he stopped it being a peculiar people. Listen, everything in verse 14 is one continuous statement. Who, who died for our sins, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify himself of peculiar people. Notice, and zealously work. Those are not broken up phrases. That is all one continuous phrase and action and idea that we are to be a people red hot for Jesus Christ and boiling over like boiling water. We're at the place where when, when metal is placed into a container it, 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 that's, that's burning hot, it, 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 it turns that metal into red. It affects everything around it. Listen, as a Christian, as a Baptist, as a church, we are to affect everything we're around tonight for Jesus Christ. And he said, you know, Titus, not everyone's going to receive you on what I'm going to tell you. Not everyone's going to be accepting the fact that we're to be zealous of good works. And so he says, these things speak and exhort. And he said, rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. And so Paul was concerned that the churches that were on Crete were not on fire. They were not burning hot. They were not boiling. This authority vested me by the power of the Holy Spirit tonight. I believe this evening we need to be a church that glorifies God. We need to be a red-hot church. Boiling over church, a church that, that affects everything around it and realizes that in our influence today it ought to be burning hot and red hot for Jesus Christ. I want you to notice from Titus chapter 2 this evening and Titus chapter 1, I want you to notice some things we need to be zealous for for Jesus Christ. I want you to write down some things and I pray it will be unforgettable in your heart and mind tonight and some things we need to be zealous for. Number one, would you notice in verses chapter 2 verse 1, we need to be zealous about sound doctrine. Paul told Titus, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. The word sound is a good word that's used in Titus. It's a good word that's found in the New Testament. It's our, the Greek word hygiano. Hygiano is where we get our word hygiene from. Sound doctrine means healthy doctrine. It means wholesome doctrine. It means right doctrine. Can I tell you tonight at Heritage Baptist Church, we don't have different sets of doctrine. We have one doctrine. Healthy doctrine and right doctrine. He told Titus, listen, you're dealing with the Christians out there who are liars. You're dealing with the Christians out there that are slothful. They are called evil beasts. They're, they're people with wicked intentions. He says, listen, you need to speak the things which become sound doctrine. Now notice how, how we give this emphasis here. to be zealous of sound doctrine. Number one, there's the preaching of sound doctrine. Look at chapter 1, verse 9. There's the preaching of sound doctrine. Number chapter 1, verse 9. Holy told that uh, Titus to train those pastors, those pastors in training. You're to teach them to hold fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince against it. And let me tell you tonight, everyone who's in a teaching capacity, you've been entrusted to stand behind a podium or in this pulpit. You're to preach sound doctrine. And listen, the doctrine that I've given to you, that you're giving to someone else, was given to me by someone else. And we could trace its roots all the way back to our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not preaching a doctrine different from Jesus Christ. We are not preaching a doctrine different from the Apostle Paul. It is the same doctrine. That's why he says, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince <coughs> the gainsayers. Notice there's the preaching of sound doctrine. We preach Bible doctrine. We preach Baptist doctrine. Baptist doctrine and Bible doctrine are one and the same. Yes. Amen. They're not different. 
Now, if you came out of a different church background, if it's Methodist, Presbyterian, Bible, whatever it may be, that is not Baptist doctrine. You're going to see that in just a minute here. There's the preaching of sound doctrine. We emphasize doctrine. Listen, doctrine determines our beliefs. Doctrine is a set of beliefs of what we believe in. What you believe in determines how you behave. If you're not sure what you believe in, listen, you're not sure how you're supposed to live. And if you're not living where you need to be, it might be because your belief system is not really where it's at ought to be biblically. So there's the preaching of sound doctrine. Let me give you some tonight. We're talking about Baptist doctrine Baptist and Bible doctrine. Listen to this tonight. Baptist doctrine Bible doctrine promote that we have a more sure word through the Bible. And when we say the Bible, we're talking about the fact we believe that God has miraculously preserved his word for us in the King James Version translation. He's preserved his word for us in the English-speaking world through the King James Version translation. Now, we have a lot of languages that are out there, Chinese being one of them, where the, if you take their, their, their Bible uh, that they have, that, that, that predominantly is being used, it is not, it is not, uh, it is not translated from the same as the King James Version. There are a lot, a lot of problems with the, with the Chinese Bible they call the Hahabun, and it's got a lot, a lot of problems with it. It's got a lot of errors with it, missing verses, and it traces its roots back to the fact that it came from an inferior translation. Now, listen to me tonight. And I was glad we had this Baptist Think to Conference because it was just a good reminder to us. Listen, the corrupt text that, that a lot of these bad translations came out of came out of Alexandria, Egypt. If you know your world history and your Bible history, Alexandria, Egypt was the place and location where bad things came out of. Bad manuscripts came out of Alexandria, Egypt. We don't rely on any manuscripts. Like you'll hear about the Alexandria, the Alexandrian uh, manuscript. We don't hold to that because it's a corrupted manuscript. The NIV and ESV and HIV and all the rest they came out of an Alexandrian context. We don't hold to that. But listen, we can go back to Antioch, and Antioch is the place where some good, good, where God gave us the correct translation and the correct, correct manuscript. Now, bear in mind with me, I didn't say that the King James Version is inspired. The King James Version is not inspired. The underlying original manuscripts, manuscripts were inspired by God. But what we have here in our possession with the King James Version is an English translation that has been miraculously preserved by God, copy after copy. Nobody has the original manuscripts. The original manuscripts are gone. But they had to rely carefully on the Holy Spirit supervising over the last several thousand years the careful copying of those scriptures. And we don't have time to go into the history of it. We're going to have a class. Many of you need to go to the class to kind of just be refreshed about what's going on or get indoctrinated about it. But... Uh, but God miraculously, it, it, leading to the, uh, the King James Version translation, God miraculously let those 50-plus men that were involved with that, that process, he miraculously worked through them, and even through the uh, manuscripts that followed there, the, what, what we have in our possession today is the King James Version translation. Now, many of you have gone through, and I'm not going to do it tonight, but as we go through, we, we, we compare translation, one of the problems with these other translations, there are missing verses. For instance, 1 John 5, 7, where it talks about the, the Trinity or the Godhead, that is missing in these corrupted translations. You won't find... 1 John 5, 7. Or you go over to Acts chapter 8. We have the story there of Philip going there to the Ethiopian eunuch. And you get to verse 37. And verse 37 in the King James Version translation, which is the correct translation, it tells us that he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You go to the inferior translation, verse 37 is missing there. And if they, if they do any justice to it, it's an injustice. They basically footnote something saying, well, in some translations, verse 37 is there. Well, the problem we have with that, you get to verse 36, Acts 8, 36, 
And here is, is Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch standing by a pool of water. And the Ethiopian eunuch says, see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? You take verse 37 out, and it says, and he, they stepped out of the chariot, and he baptized him. Well, that leads us to believe that there's baptismal regeneration, that baptism saves you. That is incorrect doctrine. You have to have verse 37 there where it says the Ethiopian eunuch says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I'm just saying tonight, we must understand that Baptist doctrine, Bible doctrine, promote that we have a more sure word to the King James Version there tonight. Now, in our, we say, well, do we promote other versions? We do not promote other versions here at this pulpit or this church. Now, if you have something you're using other than that, I want to encourage you to get rid of that translation and start reading and learning the King James Version. Here's what people say was well, so hard to read. Well, you're, you're, every word of God is pure. You don't, read God, you don't read God's word like you read, you read Robert Louis Stevenson. You read it slowly and carefully. You let the Holy Spirit of God speak to you. The Holy Spirit's your teacher. Bible, the Bible tells in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, we have a more sure word of prophecy. The Baptist doctrine, Bible doctrine, promote a King James Version Bible. We preach the King James Version Bible. I want you to understand, we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not, we're, gonna, we're intolerant of having other versions being used. I'm not going to sound like we're whacked out or whatever. I'm just not going to have some inferior version come in here that has a corrupted text. And by the way, if you want to just, just check it, look, look at who the people were on the committees, those committees that were involved with that. Did you know the NIV, they had a lesbian on the committee? And one of the newer versions that got out there, if you look at all the hodgepodge of people on there, you have to even wonder if any of them were saved. So you have, to, you have to doubt the credibility. You have to question the credibility of the people that are on these various committees. I mean, do your homework and check it out for yourself. Baptist doctrine, Bible doctrine is one to say. Hey, Baptist doctrine, Bible doctrine, promote that salvation is for all men and not limited to a few. Now, we have a problem right now tonight because John Calvin and Calvinism, which was, the, which was the forerunner of Presbyterianism, came out of the Catholic Church. He did, cannot trace his roots back to Jesus Christ. And I'm going to take a moment tonight to show you that Jesus Christ is the founder of his local New Testament church. And the Baptist Church came out of Jesus Christ. Calvinism promotes a heresy, a heretical doctrine that says God, Jesus Christ, only died for a few. Hey, listen, that is not Bible. You won't find Calvinism, a, 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 this, this, this idea that Jesus only died for a select few and that God has predestined some to go to heaven and some to go You're not going to find that in the Bible. I mean, listen to some verses I'm going to tell you tonight. We believe that, for instance, that the Bible says in 2 Timothy, uh, 2, 2, 1 John 2, 2, that he's the propitiation for our sins and not for our sins only, but for the sins of all the world. We just read over here, he, he died for all of our sins. The Bible says in, over there in Hebrews 2, 9, that Jesus Christ tasted death for every man. And we can go verse over verse over verse. You say, well, well what about this verse here or there? Well, many times hyper-Calvinists take verses of Scripture out of context. They isolate one verse, take it out of the context, and they make it a, they make it a wrong interpretation is what they do on that. And by the way, everyone gets all caught about the word election. Election's a good word. That's a Bible word. Well, chosen's a good word, a Bible word. But if you study the context where election and chosen is used, it always refers to someone who's already been saved. The context is always about sanctification, not salvation. You see why are you saying that? Because people who come from Protestant churches, who come out of something else other than a Baptist background, to have a tendency to have a Reformed theology mindset, and they come in wanting to promote, well, you don't understand, Pastor Fall, that God has died for self. Well, you know, you have that theology, but don't bring them to Heritage Baptist Church. We believe that God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, 2 Peter 3, 9. 
Listen, if you look over Galatians 3.8, you look it up. Galatians 3.8 says this. It says, God would justify the heathen by faith. Calvinism, Reformed Doctrine, or Presbyterian and Protestant in nature. Baptist Doctrine, Bible Doctrine, promote that Jesus is the founder of the local New Testament church. Hey, listen, tonight, Baptists are not Protestants. Baptists came out of Jesus Christ. Protestants came out of Catholicism. Go with me to, go with me to Genesis chapter 2 tonight. Go with me to Genesis chapter 2. <clears throat> Once you see some tonight. I'm going to whet your appetite on this. We'll come back another time and preach on it. We're going to preach some series on the church. Genesis chapter 2. First Adam. First bride. Write that down. First Adam. First bride. <clears throat> verse 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought, brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found to help me. Okay, here's what's going on. Adam needed a bride. He was lonely. He was too busy doing everything and he realized, didn't realize that if he kept that up he'd be, he would drive God nuts. Amen, you know. See, God said he needs to help me. He needs somebody to help him. It didn't say that God made him a servant. God made him a spouse. And so he puts Adam to sleep. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. Watch this. And he slept. And would you notice verse 21? And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead of thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from Adam made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, notice this, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Now watch what's going on here. The first woman, the, the bride of Adam, of this first Adam, was taken out of Adam. Did you understand? what you just read tonight. She was taken out of Adam, okay? She, the first bride was taken out of Adam. She came out of Adam. She was part of Adam. She was part of Adam, and Adam was part of her. And then the two became one flesh in verse 23. Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Now keep your finger there and very quickly go with me to Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians chapter 5, we have the teaching of the Spirit-filled life. And teaching about the Spirit-filled life, Paul takes time to talk about the husband and wife relationship. And in doing so, he thought that would be a good opportunity by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to speak about the doctrine of the local New Testament church because he talks about the church. Or actually, what he's really doing here because he began in chapter, in chapter 1 and he's continuing the same thing through chapter 6 of Ephesians. He's talking about the doctrine of the church. You with me? Say something tonight. And so you notice here, as we get here, I want you to just go down with me for a minute here. Verse 27. Then he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy without blemish. Now God has in mind the kind of church he wants us to be. We just saw earlier in Titus 2.14, a, zeal, a church zealous of good works. We also see that he wants his church to be holy and spotless and, and without spot or wrinkle. and They should be holy without blemish. So he says in verse 28, So are men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever, yated, ever hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth the church, and even is the Lord the church. Now watch this now. Watch this, verse 30. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. 
Did you see that? Remembers of his body, of his flesh, and his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall be joined in his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the? Now watch this. The first bride came out of the first Adam. Jesus Christ is the second Adam, is he not? His bride came out of him. Did you hear what I said? His bride came out of him. Look what it says here in verse 20, verse 30. We are members of his body, of his flesh, and his bones. And for that cause, they too should be one flesh. And so he says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and church. Now, we go back to Matthew 16, 18. Jesus started his church. He said, upon this rock I build my church. The Baptist church can trace its roots to the fact that it came out of Jesus Christ. If you didn't come out of Jesus Christ, you don't have a proper authority. That's Baptist doctrine. You trace the line, the lineage all the way back to Jesus Christ. It's an unbroken lineage all the way back to Jesus Christ in terms of doctrine and practices and so forth. There. And listen, what they advocated and preached in Acts chapter 2, they can trace their roots all the way back to Jesus Christ. Those original disciples came out of Jesus Christ. There's a preaching sound doctrine. Notice there's a practice of sound doctrine. Go back to Titus, please. In Titus chapter 1, he says, Speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Notice in chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, he encouraged Titus, he said in verse 7, In all things showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that, but that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to save you. Listen, we practice sound doctrine. He told Titus here, Pastor Titus, he says, listen, you need to be example of good doctrine, and doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity. Listen, hyper-Calvinism, all these crazy doctrines, that are out there that conflict with what the Bible teaches. That is not from the Bible. That came out of some man who wrote a book somewhere, and so they're taking the book and adding to the Bible. Listen, if you add something to the Bible, now all of a sudden, you know what error is? Error is mixing truth with error. That's heresy. Go to chapter 3, and Titus, Paul talks about heresy here. In chapter 3, he talks about this problem of heresy. He goes over here, and he says here, in verse 9, chapter 3, verse 9, but avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they unprofitable and vain. A man that is a heretic after the first and second admonition reject, knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth being condemned of himself. Now I want you to notice several things in verse 10. Notice first in verse 10, 11. Number one, the word heretic is also the same word for divisive. And Paul tells us as a Baptist church where to reject them. And after the second admonition, if they're going to be divisive by the matter, he says in verse 10, he says, man that is a heretic after the first, second admonition, reject, verse 11, knowing this, that he that is such is subverted and he sinneth. Now let me tell you tonight, if you've got some other cockeye idea about the doctrine of salvation or about evangelism or something else other than that, if you're advocating a doctrine other than that, that is unethical to be a member of this church or even to sit in a platform to stand behind a pulpit or stand behind a podium. It is unethical, unholy, and ungodly to be in that capacity and to say that you represent the church and you're preaching another doctrine. If I get word that you're up in our platform somewhere teaching another doctrine, you're out as a teacher. You're out in that capacity. That is heresy according to the Bible there. You're being divisive. You're causing trouble on the backside saying, well, this is the way we do it. That's how some people did it. We've had teachers who've been in the capacity where they stood up there and said, well, pastor says it, but we're not in agreement. You're not in agreement with where we're at. You shouldn't be in that capacity. You're abusing your privilege. There's a practice of sound doctrine. 
Errors advocating a set of beliefs that disagree with the Bible teaches. Listen, in everything we do, we go back to one premise of what a, what a Baptist does. We ask the question, what does the Bible say? Be zealous of sound doctrine. Number two. Ready? Be zealous of sound doctrine. Look at verse 11 and 12. Number two. I want you to be zealous of soul winning. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. So winning is a command, it is a mandate of our Lord Jesus Christ. So winning is not an option, it is an obligation. Listen, he said to Titus, he said, these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority, let no man despise thee. I sometimes look at our congregation, I'm not really sure if everybody's all with it until we get these big days there. I think for the most part everybody's with it. But I want to tell you something today, perhaps so winning, one of our distinctives of being Baptists as a Baptist church is our so winning. Our soul winning. We're to be zealous. We're to be red hot. We're to be boiling over about winning souls. Listen, everybody in a Baptist church should be excited when souls get saved. You should be excited when God is saving souls. You should be excited about big days. You should be excited about big campaigns. You should be excited about bringing people in. You should be excited about coming to church on Sunday and bringing somebody to church. In fact, you're supposed to be so exciting about so excited about it, you affect everybody that's around you. Matthew 4, 19, Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Proverbs eleven thirty: the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, but he that winneth souls is wise. Psalms 126, verses 5 and 6, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weep with bearing precious seeds shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with. Hey, Daniel 12, 3, they that be wise shall shine as the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness, the stars forever and ever. John 15, 78, if you abide in me, my words abide in you, shall which will shall be done to you. Here is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. John 15, 16, you have not ordained me, but I, you have not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should remain. You want more verses? Now, that doesn't necessarily guarantee or mean everyone's going to be at the same level of soul winning, but we all should be hot about soul winning. Went to visit a work, one of the works that Brother Lorena, Pastor Lorena started several years ago. In 2015, we went up to the resort city of Tagaytay. Did I say that right? Tagaytay? I'm getting it there, okay? And Pastor Jerry Villasanta, Villasanta is a young man. There were about three or four of us on this trip, and we, we went to see the work, and I'll be honest with you, it probably, Brother AJ, what room was that that you used to have the boys' Sunday school class in? Uh, the one over there in the, in, the, in the hall with the cave? The closet, okay? That's what it was called, the closet. I'll be honest with you, it was just a little bit larger than the closet. What you see there is, is where he put that pulpit. He started with zero. I talked to Pastor Jerry, Preacher Jerry, he's not Pastor, Preacher Jerry, 2015 or so, and I said, what are you planning? He says, I'm going to build this up. 
you know, in that little place there, which couldn't be bigger than maybe, a fif- maybe 10 by 15, 10 by 20, he's had up to 300 people in that room. You know where he lives? When we went through the first time, he lived in one of the rooms. They only had three rooms in that building. And honestly, there's nobody in this room, nobody in this room that could live in the kind of condition he lived in. Man, we gave money to him. I told our deacons, I said, listen, guys, we need to send some money to help this man out to get this going. We, we went in there. We saw the sound system our church bought for him. Now, we went there. Now, this building went there. He, broke, he, he blew out a wall. <clears throat> him and one, other, one or two other men, they poured the concrete, and they built an extension. He said, Pastor Fong, our anniversary is coming up in March. He said, I'm planning to have 400 people in this building on that day. Amen. So how are you doing it? Brother Jerry, he says, so winning. Right. So winning. Reaching so. You say, what's well, different there? You know what's different? They're zealous of good works. Go That's what's different. They're zealous of good works. Wednesday night, we had our West Contra Costa uh, extension ministry. One of our families brought four visitors down from Petaluma. And uh, three of them, I think, just recently just came into the country. And so uh, we're driving up there from the church on, on Friday night. And, and I, I was going to preach a passage out of 1 Corinthians 14. God changed my mind as we were driving up. I just I did feel really settled on it. And, and uh, the Lord changed my mind. I, went to Matt, I told the Sony group yesterday, God changed my mind to go to Mark chapter 2 about the, threat, the four men that carried their friend and laid him down before Jesus. And, and God just kind of just, I just kind of pulled the message together as I was preaching away there. And not long after that, a couple of our ladies took three of those ladies. Aside. All three ladies got saved there last, on, on Friday night. They were so rejoiced. And we have another man that on the first, the first Friday of, of, of the year, we had the West Contra Costa. That man got saved. He's back there on that. He's, he's been able to come on those Friday nights there. And then yesterday we had a great, we had a great turnout in Seoul when we had a you know, decent turnout of people that came. And we, we made some calls and went to follow up on a lady that trusted Christ her Savior about two weeks ago. And I'm thankful for a couple of our families staying on top of them. And, and uh, we went to visit the lady just to confirm where she's at. She said, hey, Pastor, I'm going to come. She was here today. She sat right in the back there. She came back, and she, she just had the joy of the Lord. She was happy about church. Brother Reyes, I think she was pretty, uh, Brother Reyes is outside. She was happy, right? Ask your mom, is she, was she happy? She, was, she said yes. Mrs. Madrano said she was happy being here today, amen? Then we went to follow up another visit. I, had, I took uh, brother, brother Kenny Lay with me. We were knocking on doors a few weeks ago, and, and we came to somebody who's been coming to our church. I didn't know they lived there, and they came out, and they, they were talking to us and didn't speak a lot of English. And Brother Kenny did a wonderful job. He just started speaking to them and, uh, and just kind of laid the ground. I took my wife back there, and we're thankful. The lady's been coming. We weren't sure she was really saved, got the gospel. The lady trusted Jesus Christ, her Savior. You know what's the amazing thing? She sat over here on the side there. She was all happy about the Lord, and she said, Pastor, Pastor, Shimu, Shimu, I want you to meet my friend. She introduced a friend to us who happens to live down the street from my daughter, Carice, and we're just down the street there. And I was just thankful. Here's the lady just got saved. She brought somebody to church. Amen. Amen. Zealous of good works. Yes, and I remember when the day started that we just were thankful. We had half a dozen people that came to soul winning. I can remember the day we had 100 people that would show up on an average, 80, 100 people at Sony. But now we're professional, and while we're very busy, we've got all these family events. And here are some of the excuses I'm hearing, or some of the complaints I hear from people over the years. We're saying we don't have enough family time. Let me, let me make a proposal to you. I think going Sony to your children is great family time. Yeah, 
You say, I need more family time. I think going to church with your family is great family time. I can't think of anything better than to talk about God, get around the preaching God's word, sing the old hymns of faith, rejoice in people getting saved, be thankful people are getting baptized, hearing God's word, word being preached, every now and then getting my, my toes stepped on by the preaching God's word, and realize, you know what, I'm thankful I'm part of a church where something's going on for God. I say this to every married couple that goes through counseling as you get ready for marriage. And many of you got married recently. Put your seatbelts on. I tell every one of you, when you get married, I can't think of a greater privilege and opportunity that you get to be married together and serve the Lord together and going so in together and going to homes together. But I've noticed something that really is a little bit bothering to me. I'm noticing as we get more people married off, there's less married people coming to so winning, less married people involved with that because they're too busy with this and too busy with that. And I'm not being critical of all your family events and stuff like that. And I'm not putting a guilt trip on you. But if you know that you can be there and you know that you can give the time, where are you when we need to get things going for Jesus Christ. Then I'm saying to I'm looking at a lot of single people that you've got the time, you've got the ability, and you're sleeping in. And I understand you're tired and you're weary, but listen, I've all this last 10 days, I'm averaging three and a half hours of sleep, didn't sleep all of last night. I'm excited as anything about serving God, but listen, some of you can't even get going to give God one hour a week to serving Him until winning. So let me give you a proposal. Our next big event is our Easter outreach. April 21st, 20th and 21st. As we prepare for that, I want to get everybody here, if you're willing, I'm not going to force you, if you're willing to get on an outreach team. And you can commit it to staying in that area, praying over that area, praying over those streets, knocking on those doors, taking cookies to them, whatever it takes, and to get people to come for the best attended Easter musical our church has ever had. We get to the 14 days before that. I want every ministry in this church to shut down all your agendas and everything you're doing. We're tired of the stuff. Where ministries are completing for the big events that we have. Don't compete with it. Shut down everything you're doing and revolve everything around the fact that on, when we get to April, that to two weeks into April 21st, we're praying, we're visiting, we're knocking doors. We're going to get thousands of flyers out. We're going to make lots of invitations. We're going to be beseeching God. We're not going to let all these other things. Don't plan your bridal showers and all the other stuff around that. Keep those two weeks clear because we're going to do everything we can to reach souls for Jesus Christ. It's amazing. We give you the church calendar. We've got all these things competing for these things. You say, well, the church is in the way. As far as I know, Jesus is the head of the church. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee, he told Paul, he told Titus. I want to encourage you, many of you tonight, regardless of what your personality style may be and how shy you may be or how boisterous you may be, everyone needs to enlist and get trained and involved in reaching souls for Jesus Christ. We need to be zealous for sound doctrine. We need to be zealous for soul winning. What you notice, chapter 2 and verse 12, we need to be zealous about separation. It's late, I don't have a time to go into a lot, but let me say a few things about that. Chapter 2, verse 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. You know, I, you know, I think we all know that, that we live in a world that's competing for a lot of our time and attention. But I want to remind you, one of our distinctives as, as, as Baptists is not just our, our doctrine, and it's not just our soul winning, it's also Bible separation. 
In Bible separation, you can't avoid it. You can't walk away from it. For instance, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse, verse 14 says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship is righteous with unrighteousness? And what communion is light with darkness? And what concord is Christ with Belial? What part is he that believeth with an infidel? Therefore, he says in verse 17, Wherefore, come out from among them, be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch out the unclean thing. Listen to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is the same even to speak of those things which are done to them in secret. Listen to what Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, verses 3 to 5. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and stripes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmises, perverse disputings of men, of corrupt minds, and deaths to the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. And he says this, from such withdraw thyself. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 13 to 15. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. But if any, and if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him, then he may be ashamed, yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. I'm just saying tonight, as we think about the grace of God that's come, the grace of God teaches us, that God's grace teaches us that something wonderful happened to us. When Jesus Christ died for us and gave himself for us to purify him to himself, what he did was he took us out of darkness and put us over here at light. He took us out of sin and brought us to a place of holiness and he chose us to be his children. Do you understand according to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 that we are no longer children of darkness, no longer children of the devil, we're no longer children that are depraved, we're no longer children that are damned, we are sons of the living God, praise God tonight. And listen, as you think about all the things that you think are onerous and difficult about separation, you say, well, Pastor Fong, you don't understand, if I leave that, I'm not sure what's going to happen here. You're taking away my fun from me, all these things. Listen, look at it this way, separation is not just what I'm leaving, but what I'm going to. And separation means I'm getting closer to Jesus Christ, and I get closer to Christ, I don't care about those things. But here's where we've got, our problem is we're so inundated and, and indoctrinated with all the things from social media and the world, we're drawing, the, the, the net of the world is drawing us closer to it, instead of the reaches of Jesus Christ drawing us closer to him. And I'm just saying tonight, the Bible says that the, that, 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 that the grace of God that bring us salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying, that means resisting, that means refusing, that means saying no to, ungodliness and worldly lusts that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Paul said, we'll be a people zealous of good works. We'll be zealous of sound doctrine. We'll be zealous of sowing. We'll be zealous of separation. Notice something else. We go to chapter 1, verse 5, please. In chapter 1, verse 5, he says, For this cause left I thee in creed. Number, number 4, we need to be zealous to stay. When you get discouraged, stay. When death occurs, stay. You're disappointed, stay. Your friends leave you, stay. There's misunderstanding, Stay. The time to sacrifice, stay. When the church goes to a child, stay. Don't leave. Cowards leave. You stay. He told Titus, look, Titus. Verse 12, one of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said the Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and slow bellies. You think Titus was in a good, enviable position? Absolutely not. Titus wanted to leave. These were slothful people. It's like, how do you get them moving? They were evil beasts. They were deceitful and untrustworthy. 
In fact, he defines them in verse 15 as being, being, being uh, their conscience being defiled. They were liars. They were deceitful. He says, guys, you need to stay. Don't be a quitter when problems and trouble arise. Don't be a quitter tonight when the preaching's hot and even is offensive. Stay. Elijah got discouraged, but guess what? He stayed. Jeremiah got discouraged, but he stayed. John the Baptist got discouraged, but he stayed. Paul got discouraged in that Philippian jail, but he stayed. Nehemiah got discouraged on the wall, but he stayed. Something he said about people who stay. And when you stay, don't do like we talked about in Sunday school this morning. You get hurt and offended. Don't pull away and don't withdraw. Nehemiah says, should such a man as I flee? Stay. You men need to stay in your marriage. You ladies need to stay in your marriage. Stay. You children need to stay faithful in school and stay faithful in your grades and stay faithful to God. Stay faithful in your devotion. I mean, just stay, the Bible says. He said, Pastor, you understand I've got multiple ministries. I've learned something about churches that thrive. It's just there's a lot of people that carry a lot of ministries. And our way of thinking is that we, get, we can do more if we do less. I'll tell you this, you can do more if you do more. Great theology. You can do more if you do more. Do you realize we have shortages in every ministry of the church? I don't have enough nursery workers. I don't have enough piano players. I don't have enough, definitely don't have enough choir. We don't have enough servants. We don't have workers. We don't have soul winners. We don't, definitely don't have enough disciples. I, we, don't have, we just don't have enough of anything. We don't have enough money. Stay. Stay. Well, I'm discouraged because you didn't acknowledge me. Stay. Well, I don't know if I want to go because my friends all left. Stay. Don't let somebody else influence you. Listen, to be zealous means you affect everything around you. You make others boiling. You make others bubbly. You make others red hot for Jesus Christ. Amen. And then what you notice, verse 5, we need to be zealous in sound doctrine, and we need to be zealous in soul winning. We need to be zealous in separation. We need to be zealous in say. But notice chapter 1, verse 5. We need to be zealous in starting churches. For this cause I left thee in Crete, that thou shouldest send in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city that appointed them. Now here's what Paul did. I'll tell you what he did here. He went throughout Crete. And they established what we would call today Bible studies or extension ministries. But these were works that needed pastoral leadership. Because all of them were floundering. They didn't have leadership. No one was there to take the oversight thereof or to feed the flock of God and take the heat and all of those things like that. He said, hey, Titus, I'm telling you what you're gonna do. You're gonna start a Bible institute. You're just gonna start qualifying men and training men. He says, I want you to qualify men. I want you to focus on the men. Listen, I've told all of our men, I'm gonna tell you as a church, I need to give away 25% of what I do right now so I can spend more time training men, developing men, helping men, so we get men called to ministry. There are a whole lot of men right now. If I could spend more time, I think you'd realize God has called you to preach. You just still haven't responded to it yet. 
And so we begin, we start churches first, we survey an area, and I've got two areas right now. I'm not going to tell any of you what it is. I haven't even talked to my wife about this yet. She will hear about it. We identify an area where we feel that we can start something and hit it really hard and build something up. And I'm looking at, I'm going to have male leadership. One of my criteria, if anything, I'm going to start, I want to have solid male leadership there that can take it. Otherwise, I'm one man trying to do 50 things. Thank God, Dr. Lorena, where he's gone, he started Extension Ministries. He's always had at least one man that's taken responsibility for it. And until the man's proven himself, he has a preacher, but he's still the pastor of that work. And so we start an extension ministry where we look at this ministry and we set it up as a mission of the church and we have Bible studies and services and we train up leaders and we indoctrinate them until God raises up the right man and continues the extension ministry. But as extension ministry, it's helping us be extension of the church and going to that location, winning souls, discipling people and building up and reaching people for Jesus Christ. Let's just face it, we're in a commuter society. Not everybody is as willing as people in this room right now to drive a long distance. Some of you live in places. Brother Charles, where you guys live, I'm praying about that area that we get something going over there. I talked to our families that are over in Petaluma. I challenged, I said, if, you, if you're willing, maybe, maybe every now and then we need to just get something going on up there. We did something up in Petaluma around Christmas time. Had 45-something people in a little room, and we had people saved in that. The second step, establish a Bible institute for training preachers and full-time workers. Look what he tells them here. For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things you want. What's part of setting things in order? You need training. You need FaceTime with these people. You need to show them the ropes, how it gets done. I want to encourage a lot of our folks tonight, make 2019 the year you're really going to learn how to be a soul winner. It's more than just knocking on a door. It's more than just making a Romans Road presentation. It's just there's a lot of things you need to learn and realize there. And I just encourage you, let's, let, let's kind of work on this, this this year together and go in teams. I'm thankful some of our ladies right now are getting together as a team and going out. We're going to designate starting in March, one Saturday a month. We want the ladies to have a ladies soul winning. I want the men, if, if you've got little kids the husbands, you watch your kids at that day and let your wife go so many. Do we have a, we're praying for a large turn of ladies that will go and go so many in very safe areas where they can go together in teams of three and knock on some doors and make some contacts. And those ladies are going out right now are doing a great job. We're going to have every adult growth group to work through your class. And getting your class, a good percentage of your class, uh, committed to coming to soul winning and participating and learning soul winning. We're asking our various ministries to get involved. I just talked to one of our ministries tonight before coming here to, into the pulpit about setting aside a particular uh, month and day that they're going to do every, every month. They're going to set aside, and we've gotten agreements on that. They're going to try to rally everybody they can to do that. We're going to send some people out to some areas that have been neglected and kind of saturate that, resaturate that area and recede it with the word of God. I'm just saying today, we've got to do everything we can to lay the groundwork so God can help us. Listen, I'm thankful for everybody coming to this church but I'm going to kick my hands off. This is his church, not my church, and it's not your church. We have to realize it might be beneficial for us to look at certain areas that we can maybe start a church there and we can see the faith work that God did here at Heritage Baptist Church. God can do the same faith work over there. Surveying areas that have a makeup that suits the DNA of this church. Then as we close tonight, would you notice this? He says we're to be a people zealous of good works. We need to be zealous of sound doctrine. We're going to be zealous of soul winning. We're going to be zealous of separation. We're going to be zealous to stay. We're going to be zealous to start churches as we close tonight. Would you notice verse 13 and we're done? Let's be zealous for the second coming of Christ. That's all Bible. That's here. Number one, we're to be looking for the blessed hope. 
and the glorious prayer of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We're to be looking for the blessed hope. We're to be loving the blessed hope. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4.8, Wherefore, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the righteous Lord shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love is appearing. We're to look for his appearing. We're to love his appearing. We're to live for his appearing. And now, little children, abide in him. Then when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him in his coming. We remind all of us tonight that the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ is scriptural. The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ is sudden. The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ is swift. The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ will be a time of celebration. The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ will be a surprise. And we remind you tonight, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ will be a time of separation. Saved, go up. Unsafe, stay below. Our last opportunity to reach them is gone. It's from our fingers. We're in the presence of God forever and ever. Be zealous of good works tonight, beloved. Be zealous of good works. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify himself. A peculiar people, a special people, a greatly loved people, zealous of good works. The songwriter wrote this, My Lord will come, it may be soon, it may be morning, night, or noon, but soon I'll pray till heaven I found. Lord, lift me up, take me up to higher ground. Maybe today my Lord will come for me. Maybe today my Savior I shall see. Maybe today his, faith, his glory I shall see. Maybe today, maybe today, maybe today. It could be today. Be zealous of his coming. We're not getting farther from the coming of the Lord. We're getting nearer to that. Be a people tonight. Zealous of good work. Recommit yourself in your covenant to Heritage Baptist Church. Recommit yourself this evening to separation, to soul winning, to sound doctrine. If you felt like quitting, to staying, to commit yourself, whatever the preacher says, let's go start some churches. And realize tonight Jesus may come at any time. If tonight you're here and you're not saved, you're not 100% sure you're going to heaven, we invite you tonight to get saved this evening. This is a Baptist church. Amen. Baptist church, as a Baptist church, we desire that your heart is open and receptive to receiving Jesus Christ as Savior. Father, tonight, thank you that Jesus could come at any time. And I pray this evening that the Holy Spirit will have his way now as we have the invitation. Thank you tonight, Lord, for Titus chapter 2. You told Titus, these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Now, Father, what has to be said has been said, and I pray this evening that God you'll be glorified. Father, help us tonight. We have a lot of things to do. But sometimes we can, get, we can get kind of off track and or we just pray help us to get recalibrated and back on track. Help us to be zealous of sound doctrine, zealous of soul winning, zealous of separation, zealous to stay, zealous definitely to start churches and zealous for the second coming of Christ. Lord, maybe tonight someone needs to get saved. I pray in their heart of hearts they would just come forward 
and take Jesus and say, I need Christ now tonight to save me. I pray for this altar to be filled with people that will be desiring to be zealous of good works, zeal, red hot, boiling over, affecting the temperature of everything around it. Lord, people that are boiling over for Jesus Christ, red hot believers for Christ, have your way, we pray tonight in Jesus' name. As we stand, if you need to come, I invite you to come tonight. Would you